0: we' talking from the very top words of the amud. So, Rava said a rule that whenever it says the word set in the Torah, then it comes to exclude kalim again. Says a term which is quite ambiguous that can include goats and sheep as well. So, <clears throat> when it says set, Rava's point is that it's got to be a pure, either a goat or a sheep, but a hybrid one parent was a good one was a different one, then it doesn't, uh, then it's not included in the term set. We'll we still have yet to determine what the context is for Rava's statement. Like, where did Rava, what, what's the African of that statement? We'll see, coming. But uh, it comes from the Pasuk, where Rava darshins this is an extra word set by the kosher animals. Imparsha is for A. That's Rava's concept. Rava's concept that if the Torah uses the word set, then it's got to be not a hybrid. The Gemara noted, though, that the rule of stealing an animal, of stealing an um the ox, the pasuk says, or the sheep, they're slaughtering or selling it, that you pay four or five times, that's an exception to the rule. <coughs> in this scenario, actually, if you had some sort of hybrid, it would be included in Seth. And the way the Gemara explained it is that uh, we know that's because, hey, if it was come to be excluded, the Torah said an ox or a Seth, and an ox or a Seth actually cannot mate. So obviously, we would have assumed that Kaliam. Uh, Kalaim would have been excluded. So the fact that the Torah says the word, shar ose, we therefore know the direction of the drasha that Oseh is coming to actually to include Kalaim. Okay, so here is an exception to the rule in a Kalaim animal that the thief stole or slaughtered, he would be hired for it. But then the gemara got busy, that what about by Kachim? So by Kachim, the Pasuk says, shar o So the gemara yesterday was only focused on the second part of the Pasuk, that it said, keves and the oes actually could mate. And there, the O comes to exclude Kalim. That was the point that the Gemara left off with yesterday. So by Kachim, we exclude Kalim from being kosher as a carbon. And it's only over here, where it says Sharo set, by by the thief, that we say that the O is coming to include. So the Gemara says, but what about, now we're at the top of chesef. Right? There's three things. Sharo chesev Oase. So the beginning of the passage, Sharo chesev, that's an ox with a lamb. You have the same argument that the ox and the and and the lamb cannot mate. You can't make a hybrid between them. And therefore, if the Torah said the word o in Arby, we should expound it to mean to include the hybrid, which is the same way we did it by the thief. So the more says, yeah. But we the for alamai, the end of the pasuk, remember it goes o is. So chesef o is the goat. The word or, which is between the lamb and the goat, that since that one is expounded to exclude. So we assume that the word Shar O that one also is coming to exclude. So how do you know to go that way? of Why don't we just say the first part of the POSIC is coming to include climb? And maybe we'll make a from the end of the to include something else. So the Gemara analyzes. I might. What kind of argument is that? If you say that the direction of the drushos by Kajim is to exclude, then that's what. That's now we understand why I need two psukim to exclude. I understand why you need two exclusions. Even though the first one, shar excluded kalaim. It's We still have to exclude the nidma. Remember, what's the nidma? A nidma is the one that's born purely from one type. But it just looks like another type. It's like a fascinating uh certain certain situation situ- situation, but it's fully like in its blood and its identity, it's really one of the types. Just the point is it looks, it looks different. It's a Nidman. So you would say, if I only had one me and me rolling common schooline, climb, because it's not pure in terms of which blood it is. But Nidmeh, where it's pure the blood, just it looks, it's disfigured. So then I would say it's not excluded. So that's why I need a second thing to be in mind. But if I'm saying the Torah is including why would I need two inclusions? Inclusion. If already the hybrid is included, even though it's not even the pure blood species, but it's included, then all the more so that the Nidmeh should be okay. So after all is said and done, basically as follows. By kachem it says, there's two O's. We know that the direction of the O is here is to, is to uh, exclude, and we understand that. Therefore, we say that, that we're excluding Kalim and we're excluding the nidra from being kosher for a carbon. However, by the thief, where it just says Shar O chesed, we say that the word O is coming to include that the Kalim, in fact. Is liable if someone steals a climb and slaughters themselves, he is liable to four or five. Okay, so very good. So Kutchim is not, is is like kind of like the anomaly where we have drashas, where it's excluded by the thief, it's the anomaly the other way where we say it's included. So now, what is the general rule? Ravam made a general rule that well, wherever it says say, it's the exclude climb. Where is that general rule relevant? El idea that the model, whatever it says, says to the exclusion of a hybrid. What purpose do we need to know that halacha? Ilakatshim. If you're going to suggest that's what disqualifies the hybrid as a kachim. by We already just said we darshen that from an ox or a lamb. So all chesef already there excludes it. So we don't need it. Rather well, to make a whole model and whole rule to exclude Kotcham. Ela miser, if you're gonna tell me this coming to exclude a miser offering, remember the Torah says that when a person has newborn cattle, sheep, or goats, you take it, take them, pass them through the pen, it goes through one by one, single file, and one of every ten is a carbon miser. So maybe you're going to tell me that it's necessary to say that a kalaim can't be a meiser behema, but that's a part of the rule of kachim. How do I know? Because tachas kachas halabik kachim. We learn xir exactly the word tachas. It appears by meiser behema, yaver tachas or shavet, and it says by kachim is even tachas imo. So even though like meiser is like a very specific, particular type of kachim, but we learn the laws of meiser behema, which type of animals are eligible for the carbon meiser behema for the general laws of kachim. So if I know Kalayim is ineligible for kachim as a carbon, so I know it's ineligible as meiser and if you're going to exclude it from the law. Bahar, we know the firstborn male offering from a cow, sheep, or goat is given to the Kohen who brings it as a carbon. So over there, maybe you need the word sad to say that not if it's a hybrid. Havar, Havar, Yalafim Miser, of the word Havara, which appears by both Miser and Bachar. And it tells me that the same type of animal which is eligible, eligible to be Miser is eligible to be Bachar. So I know since the hybrid is excluded from being a Miser Behema, huh? so then it's excluded as well from being a carbon Bachar. So I don't need it for that, also. Or we can make another argument. inami nidme amrlo. We know that a Nidmah, which again is a purely as a pure blood from one, but it just looks from born from two sheep, but it doesn't look like a sheep, that's also excluded from bachar. Ach Shar. So that word ach, what is it coming to say? Achi hushar or Bukhar Shoh. An animal is not subject to bachar unless it's an ox and the firstborn is an ox, meaning the firstborn has to have an appearance of the ox. that means not a nidmeh. So if the Torah already said that Nidmeh is excluded from being a mahar Kalami boy Remember, that's always a Kavachomer. Nijmah is not as bad as Kalayim. Kalayim is a mixture of the blood. Whereas... Whereas nidma is pure blood, just it looks different. So kalaim, all the more so, it should be excluded. So I don't need, the Gemara's point is, I don't need for a carbon bachar. Obviously, I know that kalaim is disqualified. Why do I need Rava's rule? So Ella says the Gemara, to Rava, where do we need Rava? Rava, to, again, what is Rava's rule? A binyan av, that wherever the Torah uses the word seh, the model you should assume that it's the exclusion of kalaim, not a hybrid animal. Even though you get a tseh, it could be a sheep or a goat. But if it's a mixture, if it's something born from a mixture of sheep then then it is not included in the term. Where is it relevant? Linear petar for the law of a first-born donkey. So we know. How much this week's Now, what's the law? We have a first-born donkey. So the Torah says tifteb You should redeem it to the set. Right? It's one of the manus kuhuna you give. So what's the halacha? You have to use a set. But nonetheless, the Mishnah says ain't You can't use baby calf or an undomesticated animal. <laughs> because se specifically is a lamb or a goat, so cattle and undomesticated animals are excluded. Has to be very specific, Set. Velobeshchuta can't be a slaughtered lamb or a kid, because se implies it's a lie. trefa, not a trefa one, but has a fatal defect, it's not a full seh. Velobetkelaim, it cannot be a hybrid. Velobetkoi, and it cannot be a koi. A koi is some sort of um, a mixture of a goat and a deer. But I'll call upon So there we go. So we see that the Torah used the word se. And we're saying that the hybrid of the sheep and the goat cannot be used. Where does that law come from for Petra Kamar? It's not a carbon. The answer is, it is derived from Rabba's rule. Rabba's rule is that whenever the Torah uses the word say, you should assume Kalim are not included. It says the Gemara, Rabbi Lazar, Kalim, but Rabbi Lazar who disagreed in the Mishnah there, Rabbi Lazar permits redeeming the firstborn donkey with a hybrid. It did not. And it says in the very, very Mishnah, Rabbi Lazar, Mazar, Kalim, they say, he says, no, Kalim is fine. It is said. So then, according to him, According to him, clearly we're not excluding over there. So then what are what do we need Rava's binyanah for? Where was Rava said? He's talking about a non-kosher animal, born from a kosher animal, that was impregnated by a non-kosher animal. So what in the world is going on here? Well, how do we get that? So let's just take that slow. You have a non-kosher animal that's mating with a kosher animal, and the child is a non-kosher animal, and the Torah is saying... That such a thing is not valid. So just a, literally you would think that would mean like a sort of situation where, let's say, a horse has relations with a cow and the baby comes out and it's a horse. So that would be a situation that uh, it cannot be eaten. And, and the, the idea is that when the Torah speaks about the animals you can eat, so it says, you know, an ox, a set of lambs and a set of goats, which means to exclude this type of hybrid. That's the Palsh shot. of what we're saying. It's talking about the laws of which animals are kosher. And we're saying that a non-kosher animal, even if it's one of his parents was kosher, but if the other parent was not kosher and this child is not kosher, so then it is no good. Now, the Gemara explains here. The little Kreb a who learns this from the Binyanav, does not go like Reb Yoshua. You go like It's learned from the fact that it says in plural, Izim in the plural. That the animal cannot be unless the father is a lamb and the mother is a lamb. So in other words, according to him, he's not going to say that the non-kosher animal born from the kosher animal impregnated by the non-kosher animal comes from Rubber's Binyanav. Or rather, he learns from the fact that it says lambs and goats in the plural. The Torah is saying that it's got to have both to kosher parents. But our Kupanam, Rabbi Lazar is going to tell you that the way I know that is from this seb business. Seb means to exclude the hybrid. And when we're saying hybrid, we mean that if one father was not kosher, then the child that's not kosher, even though the mother's kosher, cannot be eaten. But says the Gemara, let's clarify this. This is where things get interesting. Until now, okay, just wild, right? A horse (laughs) sleeps with a cow and now there's a... And now there's a, a, a thing that looks like a horse that is born. But says the Gemara, you don't know your science. That doesn't happen. Why? There's no such thing. The Gemara tells us that kosher and non-kosher animals cannot conceive from one another. So this case is ludicrous. It can never happen. What are we talking about? Says the Gemara. And there actually could be a case. The Kaimulon. What has been established? Top of Amin base. Here we go. The Eber Mikolot. Kereb We're talking about a case where it was a kosher animal conceived from a kolot. So what is in a kolot? So we know that the two signs of a kosher animal are... It, it chews its card and it has split hooves. So what happens if you have a, like a defect in animals, totally like, you know, a regular kosher animal, but there's a, a species, but it's got a crazy defect and it has the, it doesn't have hoof, it has uncloven hoofed. it doesn't have those split hooves, it just doesn't have it. So it's a birth defect. So what is the law of such a thing? The parent, it's the species, the parents are all kosher animals and everything, but it's an... It doesn't have that semen in it. So Rabbi Shimon actually goes so far to know that Rabbi Shimon is very interesting. He says you cannot eat such an animal. Meaning, according to Rabbi Shimon, the signs of having the split hose and chewing cows is not only identifying, oh, what type of species it is that can be eaten. Every animal needs to have those signs. So if you have some sort of fluke where the right species, some cow, does not have its split hose, so according to Rabbi Shimon, it may not be eaten. It may, it may actually not be eaten. Now, that's only Reb Shimon's opinion. It's very, very unique to him. Reb Yeshua, he actually uh, disagrees. So what would happen, and we're, when we were talking about a non-kosher animal, that made it with a kosher animal, we didn't mean an, a literal non-kosher species. We didn't mean a horse or a pig. We meant a non-kosher animal, the animal that's really a kosher species, but that is born with uncloven hooves, that you have one of those that's born from a kosher animal that's impregnated by a non-kosher animal. When we say non-kosher animal, we mean the non-kosher one that Rabbi Shimon says is not kosher. It's actually a kosher animal that we would say is kosher. So we're calling it non-kosher in the sense it doesn't look kosher. Now we understand our case. You have a cullet. Again, a cullet is a kosher species that doesn't have split hooves, that, that sleeps with a regular looking kosher species, which could very much biologically, scientifically happen. They're both... Let's say, you know, both calves, both cows, whatever. Everything's fine. And then the child that they have also does not have those split hooves. Now, what, what we're saying this way Rashi learns the Gemara. Even though we say that if both parents were regular species, just the child doesn't have the split hooves, it's kosher. We don't hold like corruption in. But in that, if now that child impregnates a regular kosher one and they have a child that also does not have split hooves, then that baby cannot be eaten. That's the way Rashi learns the Gemara. What a Gemara. So basically as follows. If you have two regular cows that mate and now there's a baby that's born that doesn't have hose, what's the halacha? Machleikas. Reb Shimon says you can't eat, Reb Shua says you can eat. Says Reb Shimon, Say, says Reb Yeshua, even though I said you could eat that that I agree that if that color mates with another regular Jewish cow and now they have a baby that's also a kala, then that color can't be eaten. And that's what this big binyanav is coming to say. That's what this Salah, Hotzias, and Kalim is coming to say. Like, we view it as if it's a hybrid when the uncloven, the uncloven hoof one mates with the regular hoof one. And now they have this colored baby born. And I agree that it cannot be eaten. What a, what a fascinating concept. All right. So but now we have to get back to kineva Again, well, this whole thing was just a, a tangent for kineva because we learned that it said Sharo Chasef by Kaneva, a Kevist by Kaneva. And we said that we include. That the thief is liable if he steals a hybrid. All right. Continues the Gemara by Ari Ola. Let's say somebody said it's incumbent on me to bring a Ola. Now, so what can an Ola be? An Ola can be many things. It can be a bird. It can be a little lamb. It can be a thicker ox. It can be many things. So he just said, I'm going to bring an Ola. For, it, for sure. He happened to designate a very big specific ox to be his carbon. If someone else comes and steals that designated animal. Now, we learned that according to Reb Shimon, if there's a chiva on the owner, if it's a situation where the owner has to replace that carbon, if this one doesn't get brought, so this causes him a loss of money, so then the ganav has to repay the Ghanav has to repay. So if so, how much does he have to repay? He stole an ox, but at the same time, the guy's chivach rais isn't for an ox, right? He happened to specify an ox. His chivach Christ is to bring an ola. So me now she could he just bring a lamb according to rabbanon but ola sof rabbanon or a bird ola according to rabbanon okay the as it says in the mishnah if someone just says it's not me to bring an ola what does he have to bring according to he brings a lamb a baby lamb or a bird you know he could even bring a bird so we see that what the st- the stam st- kabal of ola doesn't include more than a baby lamb in the rabbanon or a bird according to rabbanon so even though this particular owner happens to be he doesn't eat an ox but you're only paying him back al teshivachrais So teshivachrais isn't for an ox. So my, do we say the Christ was only for shame olah to bring something as valid as an olah? So therefore, so even though I'm liable to replace with a different olah, but I can replace it with any olah offering. So you could give it for a lamb or a bird. Maybe the owner can say, what are you talking about? I want to do a mitzvah in the choicest way. I want to do a mitzvah in the best way. I just want to say a very interesting thing. Okay, I'm not going to spend too much time on this. Because it's a theme. It's Someone stole an Esrub. It was worth one of the nicest Esro on the market. Yeah, stole a thousand dollar Esro, the ones the rarest ones they only have in the back room. Thousand dollars. See, so the victim takes him to court, refuse him. It's <coughs> he's gonna get back more money to go buy an Esro. So the Ghana says, he quotes the Gemara. He says, What does it say in the Gemara? So, what does it say in the Gemara that, that, that the Chiva cries over here? I only have to give a little bit of one. Why? Because you only have for the Shemalah, you be it. So he says to him, Rebbe, I don't understand. Why do you care so much to have your $1,000? Because you want to be to in the midst of Esrik. You be Yitzit in the midst of Esrik with an Esrik that costs a $100. If so I only give you a $100, that's what it sounds like in the Gemara. That's what it sounds like. Me having a the other side of the Gemara is, no, I don't want to that. sounds very wrong. It sounds very wrong. But why does it sound wrong? I have to think about it, how to how touch it up. Says the Gemara, Baal said, the After he wondered this question, he resolved it. But Ganav Patra Alzavikevs Rabbanu Volsof La'Azam Mizayetaka. The thief is able to exempt himself with that lower thing because he's only paying back Alzavikevachris. Alzavikevachris is only for an Ola. It could be Yotzei and Ola with a smaller value. Says the Gemara, an alternative version. He, he teaches it explicitly, not as something else. Mammash explicitly. Aba Rabba someone said it's Hami to bring an Ola, and then he designated an ox to bring. <coughs> and then a thief comes and steals the ox. The thief can himself with a lamb, according to the Rabbanon, or a according to Rablazim and Esai. Okay, now the Misha continues with the chiv of the al-veh. Let's say the thief steals it, but he leaves out one one-hundredth of the animal, meaning he, he retained a small portion for himself. Or let's say he originally had a partnership. So what happened? He stole it from his partner and he slaughtered or sold it. So he's selling something which is partially his. Or, someone who slaughtered it and he didn't do a shrita became an avela, meaning something went wrong with the shrita, so it wasn't considered properly shafted. He slid it open lengthwise the akher he ripped out the pipes. So, these are all scenarios where he did not slaughter it properly. All these cases yes, you pay careful for the theft, but you don't pay the four or five because you have to do a proper and full sense of slaughter. Says the Kumar, what's this case? What's the, what does it mean that he sold it with the, except one 100? One what part of the animal, when it's withheld from the sale, is a meaningful exclusion? Meaning, what the Kumar trying to figure out is what part of the animal is left out that we say, okay, something significant is left out. has to be left out some of the flesh. The flesh is something which becomes permitted only through the shchita. So if let's say you would withhold the hide or the horn or the wool, which isn't anyways, isn't becoming muttered through the shchita, it's not really part of the shchita anyway, in the sense that it's not becoming permitted through it, then that wouldn't be considered a significant retaining of the animal for himself. But if he leaves out some of the flesh, that only there do we say... That is not a false shkitah. Even if he sold it with the exception of the shearings, there as well, we say that that is um, an exemption from, from, the, from the payment. Khaitan Raziz, says in the price of Khaitan with the exception of the shearings, he is Takapat from Dalavay. Says the Gmarakasha on Rav. It says the thief sold it. Except the four, Except the back, leg Except the horn, Except for the shearings, doesn't pay the four or five payment. So we see anything there? with the exception except for something that's essential for the shchita. What does that mean? Raj explains an organ that if it would, that organ would be missing, it would invalidate the shchita. Meaning, what sort of organ can an animal not live without? You know, a trachea, esophagus, the, the thigh, a cavity of the animal, something which would like kill it if it didn't have that. If you left out one of those, then you don't pay four or five. If you just left out, let's say, you know, like uh, from the knee down, you left out the bottom part of the leg. There, you can amputate that and the animal can still live. So if you left out a non-essential body part, then Then, you, then you, um, you would pay four or five. M'shem Allah says, if he sold with the exception of the horn, and M'shem al he does not pay four or five. says, except for the shearing, he does pay four or five. The Gemara will clarify what the reason is. So now the so let's just go over in the bride, so how many opinions do we have? One opinion said, you leave out any leg, or, or anything, you don't pay. Rabbi said, if you leave out something that's an essential body part. Other opinion says, if you leave out the horn, um, but, uh, but, not, but not the shearing. So like the says, especially on the Levi, Levi, he's the Tanakama. Tanakama says, pretty fair. So even if you leave out the shearings, you're still exempt. So Levi is clearly like the Tanakama. Although, Rav, come on. No one said like Rav. Rav was the one who said, if you leave out any amount of the flesh, no one went like him. According to the Tanakama, any exclusion potters, even, even the shearings. So, according to Rebbe, has to be a vital organ. And according to Shimon Lazar, then it's got to be even, even a horn. So no one was saying like Rav that it just depends if you leave out some of the flesh. So the Mar says, "Ami Rabb, Ami Haytanu." Another Tanu says, <laughs> "Like Rabb, the Tanu says the price which from the laws are Ami Chosm Chosmi Yel. If you sold except for the four leg Chosmi or the back leg, you don't pay four or five. Chosmi Kar and except for the horn or the earrings. Chosmi Yel, you do pay four or five. So that Tanu holds that it has to be flesh. So to, to so to make a summary, how many opinions there are? You have Rabb's opinion, which is like this: Rabb Shemal L'Azar, leaving out any flesh. You have the opinion that leaving out anything, even the earrings. You have the opinion leaving out only the horn, but not the earrings. And you have the opinion that is only if you leave out a vital organ." So now the Quran wants to know that we have all these four opinions with my kamiflugi. <clears throat> what ishwa they disagree? So it's all a question of how you dash in the posse. You slaughter it. What do we mean, all of it? Or you sell all of it? It means the entirety of it. It's got to be all of it. So if you exclude anything. Even if it's an extraneous portion like the shearings, you're not going to pay. Rabbi Savar, Yes, it says you slaughter it. It means only something which relates to the Shkita. But that excludes something which is unrelated to. Uh, through the through, through the shkita. so it has to be according to him um, something that selling is like slaughtering. So just the thief is not liable for slaughtering if it was missing an essential part of the body, because you can't shech something if it was had this fatal thing that it wasn't that it was missing that that vital um, that vital piece of the body that it can't live without. So too for selling, you're only high of in, you're only high if you sell most of it, but if you exclude an essential part of the body, then you're pot. However, according to this opinion, if you leave out a non-essential part, you're still high. With the horn, the horn doesn't stand to be cut off. So the horn is part of the body. Have a shear. Then it's considered an exclusion if you leave it out. You don't pay four or five. Like regarding the shearings of the Mexica, which anyway stand to be cut off, shear, and that's not considered an exclusion because that's not really part of the animal itself. Therefore, if you excluded the shearings, you would pay four or five. And the other time of who quoted his opinion of any, of any flesh, the other, any flesh which to be permitted needs that's an exclusion. you don't pay four or five but for the horns and the shearing that are mutter anyways or not mutter anyways you don't eat them and others are not relevant to shechita it's not a meaningful exclusion. Now the Gemara just knows so there were two different opinions about Allah said in the prices two different prices as the Gemara classic answer there's two different versions of what Allah so we have four opinions here what exactly is excluded but the basic Basic idea of tefach or is that it is basic idea of tefach that it has to be complete. <coughs> We're just arguing what exactly is considered a complete thing. Says the Gemara, Tanhuma Rabanan. It says in a brisa. A go to Bakita, so someone steals an amputated animal, That's a or a lame animal, besuma, or a blind animal, slaughters him or someone who steals an animal, or partners and slaughters who sells it. He's liable to pay four or five. However, should partners who steal the animal and slaughters it and one of them and then slaughters it for two, and they are exempt. So let's just understand something. There's a very famous nativ here, very Gishmaka Natziv. You ever hear the rule of nativ If you don't have Lachamishnah, so if you have two different pieces that were already cut off. So that's considered La Mishnah, he says. That's considered Shlemim, it's considered whole. But if I have one and I cut it in two, then I can't say that, oh, I've got two whole things. Well, what does that mean? So he says, I have arrived from the Gemara. The Gemara says, if I sell it all except for the leg, what's the law? It's not, it's not considered selling all of it, right? And therefore, it's not, it's not complete. It's not a complete selling on Pater. But what do we just learn? What did the Brites just say? If I sell a lame animal, I'm liable. What do you mean? I didn't sell all of it. The Torah says it, it is all of it. It's in its entirety. It happens to be. Its leg is not here. If it's all here and I don't include all of it, that's considered not full. But if I, ha- I sell all that is here, then that's shalom. So it says in the Torah says the same thing in concept of shleimahs. If that's what is here, that's what's in front of me, then that's shalom. So if I have a, 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 a one, one piece, that's shalom. But if I have it whole and I'm just not using all of it, I cut it into it, whatever, then that doesn't make the piece of shalom. That's a big decision. It's based upon Gemara. Anyways, it says that if shodfim... Partners who steal an animal and slaughter or sell it, their potter. Why? Because the peshat is they're a part owner in it. But the gemara notes, it's It says in another price of And partners who stole an animal and slaughter are liable. So what's going on? low The price of that exempts them is when one partner stole from his fellow partner. So there, he was a part owner in it. So he didn't he didn't do completely. It wasn't entirely in the wrong. So therefore, he doesn't pay day. The case where it says they're liable, we're dealing with a partner who stole from elsewhere together with his with his friend. In other words, one removed it. But he did it for himself and on behalf of his friend. And the pshat was, he was like a shliach representing his friend. That's the idea. And therefore, we say they are libel. You might think that a partner who stole an animal from his partner, or partners who stole an animal together, <coughs> would be liable for Kulubina And has to be the slaughter of all of it is wrong. But Leica, you don't have that over here. Because even when, when they steal... What does that mean? Each one of them is stealing half, basically. So when one goes to slaughter it, only half of it is slaughtered by the thief. The other half is slaughtered not by someone who stole it. So Vyta, what is the case of Shutfim, where we say that when one slaughters it, they're both liable? Elam Ramnaqum Lokasha, Kama the says they're liable is where the partner slaughtered the whole the stolen animal with the consent of the other partner. So basically what it is, is that the other one implicitly is appointing him as an agent to slaughter the animal. So the whole animal is slaughtered by the thief, one half by the personal thief, and the other one he's representing as an agent for the one who stole it. Now remember, even though normally we say, but we learn that slaughtering an, an animal that you stole is an exception to that rule. If you do it through a shliach, you are liable. The rights that you accepted is where you did it without your friend's consent. So therefore you were only doing half of it wrong. You are only doing half of it wrong, so then you are not liable. Says the Bible, you had a question. Was, you know, let's say you sell the, the, the stolen animal for all the time with the exception of 30 days. So for 30 days time it is not sold. In other words, he retains the rights to the animal for the first 30 days. Chutz, except for its right to work. In other words, he gave the right to, to the buyer to slaughter it, but he retains the rights to the labor of the animal if the slaughter is postponed. Chutz, he sells the body but with the exception to the fetus. Ma, what's the halacha? Is this considered an incomplete sale or a complete sale? So the Gemara elaborates here on the last inquiry where you're not selling the fetus. There's two ways to look at a fetus. If a fetus is part of the mother, it's considered like the thigh, of the mother, one of the limbs of the mother. It's not a question. Well, then he's excluded a part of the animal itself. So certainly that's not high. Where do you have a reason to wonder? According to the opinion that a fetus is not the mother's thigh. It's an independent entity. So my, what's the law? But it's physically attached to it. So even if it's a different entity, it's an exclusion from the sale because I'm not selling everything attached to the animal. Well, don't since it stands to be separated from the mother, it's not its own. It's not part of the mother. Love is not a meaningful exclusion, and therefore you are liable. Says the Mar Yigdal Amri. There are those who explain the inquiry just a bit different. the Do we say that since the fetus is not the mother's side so love is It's not a. It's not an exclusion. Since it needs it needs to be with the mother to become mother in the shkita. This is a very interesting halacha. The al If you slaughter a pregnant cow, then the shkita automatically covers the fetus, even though the fetus is its own entity. But we say that the shkita automatically covers the fetus. So therefore, Kaman the Shari It says if you exclude a part of the mother's body, and the Gemara says take it. we leave over we leave over that question. It says the Gemara. Again, we want to know what a complete sale is. question. Let's say someone stole an animal. He amputates it and then he sells it. Ma, what's the law? do we say he, it's not it's not total because what he stole he didn't sell in its entirety? Here he amputated it and he sold it, so saw he stole more than he sold. But he, he sold he he did complete sale once it was amputated and then he sold all in its entirety. So therefore, he shouldn't be liable. And the Gemara says we leave that question. Unresolved. Okay, we'll stop here.